Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's time again to run the bases. I'm your host, Tucker Wells, joined as always by Coach Jordan Bounds. Coach, how are you? Good, sir? Pretty good. All right. Well, we're recording this on Labor Day, September 1st. Uh, can't feel too good to be no hit by A, the Phillies, and B, four pitchers. What'd you think of that action today? Um, I guess the more disconcerting thing is that in 27 innings now, we've scored one run, and it was a home run. I found it interesting that Cole Hamels was laughing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've seen him yell at players that made errors and stuff, and he has seemed to be uh, such a, uh, a kind of a West Coast curmudgeon that I've always disliked him, but after uh, when he was out of the game after having given up no hits and they somebody hit a ball they scored more runs when he was I mean the the inning that he came out uh they kind of blew it open and he's kind of laughing in the dugout and that that was a side of him that I really haven't seen what what do you think that means in the grand scheme of things that he's loosened up given that the Phillies are way out of it or has his heart grown three times the size? I I I think it's just a part of him that I had never seen. Oh, okay. So it's just a, a humanitarian fascination, right, right? I see. Well, that's good. That's very noble. Mm -hmm. I think that Cole and I don't mind us getting no hit at all uh, uh -huh. at this point by four pitchers, ten pitchers, whatever it took, <laughs> uh, because I really don't think the Braves are going to go anywhere this year. Uh, if they do, they're going to like grab a hold of a one-game playoff or something. They're not going anywhere beyond maybe, you know. A, oh, yeah. I uh, mean, we've been saying that all season. And, and I'm okay know. with that. I, I, You know, I think it might do them good in a weird sort of way. But don't you want to – I mean, wouldn't you rather be at least somewhat delusionally thinking that there was a chance? I mean, right now they're just – you're right. It doesn't seem like there's even a chance. Do, do I – I'm so far a, a chance to win it all. Is that what we're talking about? I'm I so far just... from a delusional belief that we would win it all. The the closest I am to any kind of uh, optimism from delusion is that we might win a one game playoff for the bottom wild cards. Uh, yeah, that that's about it. Uh, okay, what does that do? That makes Liberty. A little bit more money that they will use for liberty. <laughs> uh, so, no, I don't really care. Uh, it's, it... But if they miss the playoffs, they might think, all right, uh, our profit loss is down. Uh, okay, we're going to raise our salary by $10 million next year to see if we can, uh, you know, they're in the uh, they are in the bottom five in attendance this year. We got one month left, so that's give or take. You know, really, we are in the bottom five. We're in the bottom five. We have yet to cross two million, and that's with you know. Oh, I think or, we did today. Right, probably okay. so. But you know, to to only get to that point in September is um, right, right is unfortunate. It's so depressing that when you think of our owner, you know, we only really seem to talk dollars and cents and that that's how every move's motivated and how, you know, there's fans across the board this year asking for Frank Wren's head, which you have ever since he got hired. 
and it's not going to happen. And the fact that, you know, what's, what do you think, how many more starts are we giving BJ Upton down the stretch? I mean, first of all, this might be a stupid question, but how many would you give him? Well, all right. I, there was uh, all of these rumors, uh, uh, that we were apparently going to trade him to the Cubs for Edwin Jackson, you know, trying to drop our uh, albatross of a salary on the Cubs' albatross of a salary and have it uh, kind of switch out. And that may still happen during the offseason. That they're playing Bonifacio at center field now more, I, I find uh, that seems to be hinting toward that as well. But I mean, that BJ Upton at it was like a week and a half ago, he had more at bats than anybody on the Braves. He had more than Hayward or uh, Simmons or anything, he had the most at bats of anybody on the Braves. Uh, what do I think of that? I think I've finally given up on Freddie uh, Gonzalez. I mean, that he hasn't fought it more than that. There's no getting around the fact that they made a horrible mistake in paying B.J. Upton that much money uh, for that long a term contract. Um, and that uh, they are... They haven't given. They, they've had a couple of options, or they've had a couple of opportunities to get rid of him, but they weren't going to get anything in return, and they're complaining about that. Maybe the Edwin Jackson trade. I mean, it, during this summer, they were talking about um, somewhat. What's his name? The second baseman in uh, Phillips. No, 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 Phillips in. Uh, Cincinnati. Really? They were going to put together something for Brandon Phillips? Can't because, believe I missed that. Because Phillips is also somewhat of an uh, a Cincinnati albatross. His on-base percentage is so low, and they've signed him for like 5,000 more years or something, you know. And uh, so, I mean, he, his salary has become somewhat of an albatross. Not, nothing like a Phillies salary, but, you know— uh, Still, uh, I mean, B.J. Upton is nothing like a Phillies salary. Oh, uh, God, no. The Phillies have like 10 guys uh, that are like that. But um, <laughs> They have the, an albatross flock. If you are going to ask me what, uh, uh, how much I'm going to play B.J. Upton, uh, very, very little unless I have to. <laughs> Um, I'd say pinch runner for me. I'd keep him as a pinch runner through September. And then he obviously, should we make the playoffs in any capacity, is not on the playoff roster. And then, yeah, from day one of the offseason, my first my first focus, my first item on the to-do list is to move him However, that they, you know, when he was kind of doing, kind of doing well <laughs> as a leadoff hitter, they're like, praising him left and right because they're trying to trade him at that time. I mean, it's yeah. a sad thing. It's sad. It's, it's sad. a used car salesman it pitch. It is. It is. <laughs> and what's really unfortunate is that when at the time that we signed him, he was still, I think, 28, you know? Uh, the, and, and he's a, uh, he's a athletic guy. He's not like a... You know, a Ryan Howard, who's just a truly is the size of an albatross. The you the know, sadness of Ryan Howard is that they took so long to bring him up. He 
could have been Ryan Howard three years before he was, but they had Jim Tomei at first base. And so right. uh, where are they going to put Howard? Uh, and so when they finally do bring him up, he is at the end of his career. <laughs> uh, the, uh, but you, well, you can't, you can't take, you got to remember that that injury at the end of 2011 in the playoffs, serious. that was way serious. And the, I mean, the, the, I mean, anytime you, you tear, you, you have any injury to the Achilles. I mean, it is by nature, your Achilles heel, but he completely blew it out. Um, you know, I, Bobby Tolan did that. And Bobby Tolan was, on the verge of being one of the best players in baseball mm. when he blew out his Achilles. That has nothing to do with anything, but I just it was a sad thing I remember. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's Ryan Howard is a sad thing now. But yeah, and now the Phillies have the, interestingly enough, uh, the, was it Renfrey? Renfro? Um, no. They got an, a, a, a slugger, I think he might, is it Revere? That that is next in line to replace Howard. Revere is not a slugger; he's their center fielder. They, uh, he's their oh, no power I? center fielder. Uh, <laughs> well, I got that completely wrong. But they got they have the young guy, the the, the heir apparent to Ryan Howard. I'm going to look it up here. Well, it, it's uh, maybe so. They they've got salaries all over the place. Yeah, you know one thing. Uh, today I realized in the game today that oh, I didn't realize it. I heard it that. Rollins was now has the second most doubles against the Braves since they've been in Atlanta and hmm. second only to Pete Rose. And I was wondering, I, I even thought about looking it up uh, as to how many of the big red machine, uh, how many like most triples, most hits, most home runs and everything come from those guys because it certainly did seem like Every time we played them, it was ten to nothing. <laughs> um, I can't find the I can't find his name. Galvis? No, that's a second baseman. Well, regardless, the Phillies are in the same mess um, as they were with the with Jim Tomey being there and Ryan Howard coming up. So, um, yeah, it's you know, uh, I mean, outside of the BJ Upton thing, you know, back to the Braves and their their playoff chances at this point. I mean, they're, they're they're still in theory, just you know, right it, there, and the pitching's been really good. You know, you can't. I mean, does anybody care anything about any of this? By the way, yeah, Braves aren't going to go anywhere. Well, one can still hope, and no, it's, they're not. I mean, I think to, I think to hope is a false hope, and I don't think it's going to do them any good. I think if they get one more round, then that's going to put them back two years. I think they need to not make the playoffs. Yeah, and so some executive says, "All right, we need to put some more money into the team, into their." Lo- I, I think the worst thing that could happen to them is that they win the one game playoff. Yeah, well, good, good point. You know, I, I just, you know, th- this is my personal fandom here, and and echoing uh, other fans that w- I still, you know, if the gold ring is even in view, if you can even see it legitimately see it outside of like the Cubs of this year or the Rockies or, you know, now the Reds and the um, Blue Jays and all these teams that have fallen off, which we knew they were overachieving anyway, the Braves are still right there. So even as small as a percentage as it is, 
I would just love to see them win, you know, more than anything. It's how I felt about our other team this year, the Hawks playing the Pacers, you know, everybody's taking the consolation prize. Like, well, we shouldn't have been with them any, you know, hanging with them anyway. And it's a great thing for the future of Atlanta basketball. It's like, no, we had a chance. We were up, you know, there was a chance there to take that series. And then who knows beyond that? I would just, you know, I would just rather see him win. Um, because more and more as we get further and further away from the team of the nineties, I personally appreciate that more and more. And I realized that I took that for granted, you know, I didn't tune into the Braves in that stretch as much as I am right now. So maybe there's just me caring too much, but I certainly didn't take that for granted. Well, I did, okay. you know, there's a, that's the, that's well, the thing about a lot of young Braves fans, myself included. I'm guilty of it for a long time then. Is that yeah? We just we figured it would be every year, you know. And you're right. I mean, I you know your your you your fan, uh, your support of the Braves was throughout the '70s and '80s, which is like the Cold War era for oh God. Atlanta baseball. So we'll go in first to f- third today. We're going to talk about uh, small ball. It is clear by any measure that the steroid era is well in the rearview mirror, and yet. We're, we're, we're back to the, the pitcher dominance of the league, and yet uh, managers across the board don't seem to be really embracing playing small ball. We still are swinging for the fences. So um, I want to talk today about why we think that is. Um, why in this day and age when obviously you know we're, we don't have these Herculean players anymore, um, why are we not seeing more small ball, more... Uh, stolen bases, hit and runs, going uh, first to third, even. Uh, why is that, Coach? Enlighten us. All right. A, I'm I'm not so certain that the steroid era is in the rearview mirror. Uh, we've certainly, you know, we're at it in the passing lane, but I don't think it's over yet. Beyond that, there are other things to consider. You can't just change things. Overnight, You can't say, all right, we're going to start trying to take the extra base now. Part of the problem is that as the steroid era blossomed and fans started going out to ballparks to see all of these uh, superhero home run hitters, they changed the ballparks themselves and they all became band boxes. Uh, The Forbes fields and things of the past are no longer there. Uh, and so we have these ballparks in Houston and Philadelphia and all these places where a pop-up can produce a home run. And with people that who have made it to the major leagues as uh, power hitters, to suddenly tell them that they've got a hit behind the runner, then I don't know if it, it that's not that easy to accomplish. Uh, the I don't think uh, all of the saber metrics also uh, they there is a lack of understanding of uh, pressure with saber metrics and. Uh, one of the primary benefits of small ball is the pressure that you put on the pitcher to uh, to do a slide step, uh, to get the ball 
to the plate in less than 1.2 seconds uh, for the infielders to know if they just bobble anything, the runner is on. Oh, that kind of pressure is not anything that's measured in sabermetrics whatsoever. And uh, all of this kind of money ball crap uh, from sabermetrics <laughs> that seems uh, this Brian Kinney-like Oh well, if you look at this stat, that means this person, you know, that this means that Frank Robinson shouldn't have been a major league ball player, you know, or just these <laughs> ridiculous uh, assertions that seem to accompany uh, a lot of the sabermetric things. I, that has a lot of the problem with small ball. Small ball is probably never going to be played like it was by the '59 White Sox or the '50. Phillies or so many, the the 63 Dodgers or so many other teams, the the Herzog Cardinals and all that sort of stuff. What was, speaking of like the the 80s Cardinals teams in particular, um, what was the most exciting uh, team to watch for you personally um, that played small ball, that that was their, that was their strategy? See, I, I can't. The Cardinals under Herzog probably did it as well as anybody, but they weren't exciting to me because I hated them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, probably the Royals of about the same time with uh, Amos Otis and Willie Wilson and Frank White and uh, all of those guys, you know, playing it. Well, so who today? What team is currently constructed in the league today? Do you think would benefit the most by? making a change to a small ball approach. Oh, I, I, um, when I, when I think, I think of speed more than anything. So I go to like the Dodgers, for example, even though we've got so many power hitters, but D Gordon is so fast. So, you know, I, I, I think that if he could do better getting on base, I mean, on base percentages this year are, are kind of the worst that they've been in years. You know, the, the guys leading the league in on-base percentage are at 370, you know. When Ron LaFleur came out of prison and became a Tiger, he was the fastest person in the major leagues, but it didn't make the Tigers a small ball team. Uh, just having somebody like D. Gordon on your team doesn't make you a small ball team just because he's really fast. Well, so, no. all right, I, I understand you're asking for what is the team that would be the best for that. I don't think speed has much to do with it. I think it's the ability to bunt. It's bat control, hitting behind runners. Uh, it has a lot to do with the stadium you're playing in. Well, and on that note, I think that stadiums in recent years um, have reversed that trend of the bandbox. Because you look at, like, Miami's new stadium uh, is huge. Um, City Field up in uh, New York for the Mets, they had to bring those fences in. They were so far out at first. And even, like, PNC Park and, of course, uh, Comerica Park in Detroit, which was open in 2000. And Comerica and City Field and all these places have brought their fences in. That's, I mean, you know, because it, and it wasn't because they were that deep. It was because they were normal. It was because they were normal. Um, I mean, when you look at some of the old ballparks where that had 540 foot center field fences, there isn't anybody beyond 410 now. I mean, a hundred and so, I mean, old Yankee stadium 
was 500 and some feet to center. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are monuments out there. (laughs) There were that weren't behind a wall. They were just there. Um, I agree with all this and it's true, but I think that I I guess my point is, is that we're going to see that change. And, and, and if not, I think that baseball will become because, you know, football season starting up. So all the football pundits are saying that baseball is much slower. Now I was at, Georgia Tech's home opener, it was so boring. It was so painfully boring, not just because we were playing a non-conference, non-division team, but 80% of the time, nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. There's You're staring at huddles and TV timeouts. And, you know, and in baseball, as we've talked about before, it, it, there's always something happening while the ball's in play. There's strategy happening, and that's where small balls even makes it even more exciting is, yeah, when you get a runner on first, if it's a fast runner, the pressure they're going to put on the pitcher. In 2004, when the Red Sox were come were in the midst of their comeback against the Yankees, down 3-0 in the ALCS, everybody remembers uh, Dave Roberts stealing second on Mariano Rivera. And it's amazing to me that that doesn't get held up as kind of like, see, we need more of this. You know, if baseball, the entity itself, Bud Selig et al. are concerned about their product, they should see that triples and doubles and stretching doubles into triples and, you know, just look at how Yasiel Puig and Mike Trout play, you know, that that is what the game needs. So anyway, I think that that is where it's going because right now it, it, people still believe it's all just pitcher hitter. You know, that's the common misconception that's out there that the only thing that's happening is the pitcher and the hitter, which I think was true during the steroid era, but that's something that's being reversed and needs to be reversed. So what's your question? Uh, well, it's not a question. It's a point. I'm allowed to make points, too. Right, I know I, I ask a lot of questions. I understand. I understand. Yeah, you know, that's the nature of the beast here. So, but I guess I will ask, okay, so not the Dodgers then, but who is? Who is well-constructed to be a successful small ball team? Seattle. Yeah, they only hit home runs. They got a big ballpark. They got a guy and hit all over the place. Yeah, I mean, uh, only because I, I, I and I, I'm saying that because I think the, and I'm sorry, but I don't, I don't think the question is correct. I don't think you can say what team they have to. So much of it depends on the ballpark and everything else. I mean, you know, you can't just say, well, I've got the right personnel and put them in minute made park and uh and i you and i you know we'll agree to disagree but i don't all right so there have been two ballparks that have been made bigger uh that was by mistake they didn't mean to be and the others <laughs> they brought in the fences because uh they want you know city park and comerica they, they're like we need more home runs you know so they brought in the fences uh that they weren't you know that the parks were playing like small bar, small ball parks. They ended that. Uh, the um, well, then, uh, but you see the, the. I mean, then you see the Tigers. You know, trade away Prince Fielder to get Ian Kinsler. You know, I thought that was a very interesting move. You know, uh, trading away a home run hitter to get a doubles hitter and a speed guy at the top of the lineup. It was kind of an odd decision, but it doesn't seem to be that incorrect right now. 
Uh, agreed. Um, but I mean, uh, I think that was as much health as it was anything else. Oh, I would have to agree with that. And um, but I mean, if, if you were a manager or a general manager at this point, you know, wouldn't you see that that you know? I mean, it was it was it was the the home run, and then it was sabermetrics that that going back to a, a small ball style of play is the next logical step for getting an edge. I guess there there's a question that I can pull out of all this. Don't you think it would give a team a certain edge over everybody else if they were able to really play a small ball, really play for the one run? You if know, they I mean, were like really a, able to do anything if they were really able to hit home runs at a prodigious amount. Uh, but that's my point. as a manager, as a coach, or whatever. I took the players that I had, looked at their abilities, and said, this is what we need to do. We either need to play really tight defense and scratch out a run whenever we can, or we're just going to go up there and mash because, you know, we are a very offensive, in the right kind of way, ball team. Uh, you, as a manager, coach, whatever, you look at – the resources that are at your disposal. Uh, today, most managers are looking at their team and they don't have a lot of people with tremendous back control. They have people that know how to drive the ball, that are uh, letting it all ride with two strikes. They're not trying to just make contact. They're not trying to hit behind runners because they've never learned to do this. Uh, if that's the case, I'm not going to start playing small ball with these players that don't know how to do it. Uh, this goes, you can't just like all of a sudden turn things around and say, all right, now we're going to bunt. Uh, the, uh, you know, the Rube Forster, the, the great, uh, Negro leagues manager, the one that John Wagner said, uh, was the smartest man ever to put on cleats. Uh, he used to put up two cones, one by first base and one by third base. And if you couldn't bunt nine out of 10 pitches inside the cone and the foul line on each side, then you couldn't play on his team, period. Well, they don't do that anymore. There's no team saying you got to bunt like this. There are people that you got the Brian Kennys of the world saying that bunts are bad for baseball. No, they're not. It's part of baseball. And, and I agree wholeheartedly with you on that. And so that's why I would think that, I mean, it's, I, I, the problem seems to be more and more that it's the general manager then that the makeup of general managers in baseball, they don't have a true baseball sense. Okay, all right, maybe so. But I think a lot of it, ha I mean, we are still, all right, how long, when did McGuire and Sosa have that year? What, what well, year that was 98. All right, then... 98. So if you were 10 years old in 98, how old are you now? Uh, you would be 26. 26. 26, so you'd be in your prime right now because you saw Sammy Sosa and McGuire hit prodigious home runs. All right. Uh, the uh, Well, that isn't quite – those people aren't going to suddenly – they didn't decide at 12, you know what, Bunning's cool. <laughs> uh, chicks dig the long ball. And 
we uh, it's it's going to take a long time before we can kind of change that kind of uh, attitude. I don't think it really has to do with the general managers in that respect. You can't just say I'm going to draft people that can hit behind runners. It because people haven't been learning to do this in high school. They're playing with metal bats that can drive the ball 500 feet. Well, now, so then that being said, how is it that in the 50s and 60s and then later the 80s with the Cardinals that 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 was the norm? Or that, that was there, in vogue, so to speak. Because there were tremendous ballparks, and people used wooden bats, and people didn't grow up thinking that because they weren't juiced, and they were they didn't look like superheroes, and you know that uh, your Gene Alleys uh, were not going to hit forty home runs a year. Uh, your you know Vince Coleman uh, was not going to be a power hitter, but he could help the team running bases. Well, when it you know when it changed to the '90s, you don't need a Vince Coleman that will get you you know 1.1 runs every two games. Better to put out you know some outfielder that's going to hit a home run one every two games and get you 1.7 runs a game. Yeah, well, I just that concerns me. I, I feel as though that it'll change. It's secular. All baseball is secular. Well, and that being said, I feel like this is the next cycle. I think that this is something that needs to be talked about more and just the fact that, you know, like, we can't write this off. That, It'll happen. It'll happen. There'll yeah. be, there will be, but it's not going to, you, you can't just change it overnight. You can't, uh-huh. uh, particularly, you know, you're playing in, in some bandbox. You know, the Astros fired their manager today. I, I was, you know, I don't know anything about Bo Porter, but... Uh, I bet he didn't deserve to get fired. Uh, I mean, this was a team that actually thought they were going to win like 90 games this year. Are you kidding me? Because uh, they, they have a whole, they're they're all in on the saber metrics, right? Playing in a ridiculously small ballpark. Uh, are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah. So, well, we we have said before, just in 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 you know, discussions, watching baseball games and whatnot, that it is the fact that you have general managers now that aren't players or they weren't players, I should say, and owners, the same thing, you know, that, that you don't have, when you don't have uh, people at the top who have played the game, they're not going to understand this. They won't understand the value of having, you know, uh, a manager that utilizes the hit and run or the, the, the bunt or, you know, general managers and owners. I don't think that I don't think there has ever been a period where there was a majority of them that were former ball players. Managers, they've always been former ball players. Uh, yet, so much of it was a good old boys network forever. Uh, the old popular ball player coming back and uh, hiring a bunch of his old drinking buddies to be his coaches. Uh, that has changed somewhat, um, but uh, still, I, I think so much of you—you ha- you deal 
with what you have at your disposal. And if you have a bunch of people that have made it to the major leagues by driving the ball and getting their top hand on top always and never trying to hit behind a runner and trying to, you know, and you're playing in a small ballpark, then you can't, that's what you got to deal with. You can't say, all right, guys, we're going to change. You're going to change. Well, but see, what about this? In football, you always hear, especially in college, about coaches that can make something out of players who really don't have all the raw talent. Now you look at BJ Upton, for example, um, by all accounts, he swings too hard and he has a horrible swing, but you don't think that Freddie Gonzalez could go up to him and try and say, look, we're going to make you into more of a contact hitter. You don't think they've tried everything possible <laughs> with BJ Upton in the last two years? Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure that mentally he's shot. So yeah, it's worth. I think they. I think they've so. applied they, that the two hitting coaches say that they have now <laughs> and Freddie have tried just about everything. Oh, I I would agree with that. So, but my question is, do you think there's a manager that you know someone struggle? You know, someone who has. You know, BJ has talent. It's it's hard to deny the fact that he can play the game. He's just not Tucker. You it, can't right? if you've been, if you've grown up and you've made the major leagues by driving the ball and extending your arms, and that's the way you have found success from the time you were in little league to the time you have signed a major league contract. You can't suddenly change. You not can't suddenly, but if it's not. You can't you can't change period. You can't suddenly become a different type of hitter. Can you name to I mean I can tell you pitchers that became went from being power pitchers to becoming pitchers as such, but I can I can't name one person in the history of baseball who became who went from being a power hitter to becoming a contact hitter. I can't name one. Well, it's not I, you I learn to hit in a particular way. You can't just change it because the tides are changing. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I can't. I can't argue that, and I couldn't think of one either. You know, I. I I'm. Um, oh wait, 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 wait. I. I should. It, I mean, there have been people like Brady Anderson who were juiced for a year. Uh, and hit 50 home runs, and then the next year they like try and get off of it, and uh, and then become more contact hitters. That that has happened. That, uh, that has happened, but, and of certainly the opposite. But, contact hitters who juice up and then become power hitters right, overnight. But I mean, if we take away the chemicals, you can't change the way you swing overnight. There have been people like you know Cal Ripken made uh, you know adjustments during games, let alone between games. You know, tremendous stuff. Uh, Yastrzemski did the same thing. People don't, uh, forget about that, but his his bat went up and down uh, throughout his career. But they were still trying to drive the ball. Both of them were power hitters. They're hitting into the gap, hitting home runs. They hit 300-some home runs each, you know, or 400-some home runs. You know, Yastrzemski's the thing. Uh, so I, I don't um, – I just I, – I don't believe that can happen. You yeah. can't you can't suddenly be you know go from being Andre Dawson and decide to suddenly be Vince Coleman, you know, or Ozzie Smith or whoever you know you are who you are. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I I can appreciate that, but if baseball is uh, cyclical and that this this is coming, you know, this idea of 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 playing for one run as opposed to 
you know, just playing for the home run. When do you see it coming? Like, when do you think? Do you have an idea? Based on how the game is being played today with pitchers so dominant. I mean, that's the thing to me that's really dictating this is that the pitchers are overwhelmingly dominating the game right now. You know, and and you can you can take it you can okay, you can put it right. up there that the 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 testing and the fact that the players aren't juicing up. You know, I mean, after sixty eight, they lowered the mound uh, because of the year of the pitcher and Gibson and McLean and uh, all that sort of stuff. But that began earlier than that. That began in sixty two when Koufax got out everybody, and yeah. every time he came out to pitch, you're like, oh my god, he's gonna throw a no hitter. Uh, it, and you had the Drysells and Marischals and everybody for really uh, almost a whole decade dominating the game. Pitcher, it was not just 68. Uh, and it was secular. And all it took was the people don't. And when we had further expansion after 68 and pitchers became thin, the mound was lowered and everybody started hitting the ball all over the park. Uh, the uh, it, it changed the game at that time. Uh, I, I think the same thing is 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 it is secular. It's happening now. Well, I, okay, um, yeah, it is secular. We've said that many times. Yeah. So when is it coming? When when do you see? I think it's happening now, but it's not going to happen. You, you can't dictate it by saying, "All right, guys, we're going to start bunning." <laughs> all right, all right. So we'll just look out for that. At the end of all this, we'll just look forward to the <laughs> to the new it's, age of small it ball. It's happening in high school. It's not happening in the minor. Well, then leagues. there you go. Then then now you can say that okay, if it's happening in high school, I mean, it's happening in high school now. You would you would I, say I that. Would you would say, argue that. I, yes, I would say that. Okay, so then maybe. And I, know, I've seen ten, in the last couple of years, I've seen several high school games that were playing more small ball. So maybe seven or eight years from now. But I would argue even sooner than that, just sooner than that. I would argue, though I'm not, didn't play my whole life, that managers are going to start looking at this. General managers are going to start looking at this way more than they are right now. I agree. I think in seven or eight years, that's when it reaches a pinnacle, and that's when it starts going in the other way. Yeah, because, I mean, we're... We we live in an era now where I mean the attention span of people you know my demographic in particular and younger is you know a nanosecond and so baseball needs to uh, realize this you know you see it in football with the no huddle offense on these big programs in college and all across the pros and the Peyton Mannings and the Andrew Lux they want tempo they want up tempo they want constantly seeing just, you know, running and plays. And, you know, you, you, an average football game f- three or four years ago, you got 78 plays, and now it's up to 140. I, mean, uh, I agree. So uh, in baseball, we want to see running. We want to see, you know, close plays happening at first from someone trying to bunt a base hit. We want to see stretching doubles into triples. You know, a, a, a home run in it is essentially kind of boring after it happens. He just well, I, trots I, around the bases, and that's it. I agree. It. I agree wholeheartedly. I do think um, that the best thing that baseball could do right now for its fan appeal would be to outlaw Velcro. Uh, <laughs> and so no 
batter could uh, step out and adjust his batting gloves. I think that would speed up the game itself about 20 minutes a game uh, if you just banned Velcro. Uh, Make the batter stay in the box. Make pitchers throw the pitch. Uh, There are rules about this, but they're completely ignored. Uh, I think it's 12 seconds uh, a pitcher has to throw a pitch if nobody's on base. Uh, And both sides disagree with all of this, but that is uh, the speed of games that is the biggest problem that baseball faces. And this is the fault of Joe Torre, the New York Yankees, and the Boston Red Sox. Because in the last decade, their two, those two teams, their games have averaged about 20 minutes longer than everybody else's, and they've been good. <laughs> We can always blame the Yankees. It's yeah, such that's, a satisfying that's a thing. It, but it's the truth. Yeah. Well, I hopefully, you know, that, that can be a whole topic for another show, just how you get the game. That would be a boring topic, but go ahead. I agree. No, 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 no not the Yankee thing, but speeding up the game in, in all those in those different areas. But, yeah, we'll, we can leave it at that for now. Well, Coach, thank you as always. Looking forward to the stretch run. seems like almost all of our predictions are, uh, uh, are coming true, and we didn't even talk about the Royals tonight. So. No, I'm, I've become a big Royals fan. I, I want to see them win. I want to see them in the World Series. I would love that too, you know. And I uh, lived in Missouri when I went to college, went to a Royals game on a road trip. It was great. Great stadium, great fans, great city, really. Um, so I would love to see those. And, and – uh, you know, hey, Ned Yost, former... Well, that I'm not so fond of, but... No, he's yeah. kind of a jerk. But yeah. hey, you know, Braves ties. So yeah. you better be careful, though. Don't... You can't you can't insult your fans or call them out, you know. That's just great. Just keep going and winning games, and they'll show up. If you win, they will come. So, well, this has been Running the Bases, and thank you all for listening on SoundCloud. Thank you for listening on iTunes. And I, 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 we actually have our first sponsor. I, I was saving this as a surprise. Oh, really? But, yeah, we are being brought to you tonight by Bees Bistro at 6010 Sandy Springs Circle here in Atlanta, Georgia. So come on out, see Buzz and Deborah. Get yourself some uh, shrimp and scallops and grits and maybe some wrapped asparagus. So, so Coach, we'll see you at Bees Bistro. All right, I'll be there. <laughs> All right. Until next time, it's been Run the Bases. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, Tucker. All right, good night.